Hey guys, WFAN the Kid. It is me. I am finally back, finally doing a podcast after a little break, long break, whatever you want to call it. And today it's about the Jets 2021 season in review. Um, I don't know if I've ever talked about this in my podcast, but at the beginning, I did this this season, last season. Look through each team's schedule, predict every single game. Not scores, but who's going to win. And eventually at the end, each team has a record after you predict through the 18 weeks. And it takes me three or four hours, but I do it. I enjoy it. And I had the Jets going 7-10 this year. <sighs> wrong. Just wrong. Not, it did not happen. 4-13 and 13 we went this season. <sighs> it's an improvement from last season. <sighs> 4 is greater than 2. Not by a whole lot, though, in the NFL, sadly. Um, 11 straight years without the playoffs. It's not easy being a Jets fan. Would like to see my team in the playoffs for the first time. Not this year. To be honest, it probably wouldn't have been even that great if we got there. It would have been like, I don't know, a Steelers situation, Eagle situation, where it's just like, you really look like you're not supposed to be there and the other teams outplay you. So, opening game of this year was against Sam Darnold. And... I was excited to see that game, excited for it to happen, really, really interested what was going to happen. I don't know, I just thought it was, like, so interesting that Darnold's first game away from the Jets in the NFL is against the Jets, and he did win it 19-14. to um, I was not upset with Zach Wilson's performance that game. I think he had over 250 passing yards, and he connected two times in the end zone with Corey Davis. Um, I was, I was looking forward actually to the next week against New England. Cause I'm like, okay, we have a good wide receiver now. Zach Wilson looks like maybe he is the future. I think we could finally beat New England. New England's 0-1. This is our time to beat New England. First time in five to six years, whatever it's been wrong. Not, it was a pretty lopsided defeat too. <laughs> in week two, that was really disappointing for me because Patriots finally his favorite team in the league. Nobody likes Bill Belichick. I mean, I mean, obviously people do, but I Jets fans don't like Bill Belichick. We're tired of him. We're tired of Brady already. <sighs> but what can I say? We're used to it. And things look to and things get even worse somehow. If you think getting blown out by the Patriots is bad, then get shut out the next week. But then week three, week three. I unfortunately had a soccer game week three, so I did not get. I mean, at the same time as the Jets game was going on, so I didn't really get to watch uh, one of our best games of the year. Um, but I did get to watch the overtime fourth quarter. That's right around my game ended, so I'm happy I got to see the very end. Um, and OT, that was nerve-wracking. Nerve-wracking. Wound up tied at the end of four quarters. It was a pretty close game throughout the whole thing from uh, what I saw re-watching it. And... I think, yeah, the Titans came back at the end, got a touchdown, brought it to overtime, where we won the coin toss, got a field goal on the opening drive, even though we had it in the end zone. I really thought it was going to be over, because I didn't think we could stop the Titans. We managed to hold them to a field goal attempt, which they missed. Shanked the field goal, Jets' first win of the year, Zach Wilson's first win, Robert Sala's first win. It just gives you such an energy as a Jets fan, a win, because they're so hard to come by. Six in the last two years, it's not a whole lot. 
especially against as good of a team as the Titans, getting the big upset, Corey Davis winning against his former team, really energized me and I think other Jets fans as well. I mean, yeah, we won by the skin of our teeth, but we take it. We are Jets fans. A win is that important to us. We're not like some other spoiled teams that have Mahomes and these people and can do all this and that. But yeah, that was a fun game to watch. And then next weekend, or I can't remember. No, we had the bye after that. Next weekend, we get to go to London. The week after that, we had a bye, I believe. Uh, looking so forward to it, thinking, okay, it's time to get a win streak. Atlanta's not that good. Uh, we did have a few close games that year. That was one of the ones that was, turned out to be closer. I mean, the first half was as ugly as it gets. We were should have been down by, like, three possessions, but got lucky in interception. It was, like, 23 at halftime or something. <laughs> really, really just demoralized because that's one of only two primetime games all year. You, you want to look good to other people, you know? You want to look good to the rest of the people across the country watching you. And we were getting embarrassed. And then it's games like these that Zach Wilson has where he only is in the 100s for throwing the too many interceptions. It really makes you wonder, is this our quarterback? Is this guy worse than Darnold? And at that point in the season when Darnold was doing really, really well with Carolina, you really felt like, what did we give up? We literally gave up this guy for this guy, you know? It's not a, it wasn't a great feeling throughout those first three games. I mean, this was obviously the fifth game, but if you look through the first three games, Darnold 3-0, and Wilson 0-3, and, and it just makes you look back, oh, what if we just kept Darnold? But I, it, in the end, I know, it looked like it might have been the right decision because uh, the Panthers just crumbled towards the end of the year after having a really decent start. So after we did wind up losing the London game, did come back and... I was looking at an interesting stat the other day. If games were only counted by the scores in the fourth quarter, no other quarter mattered, the Jets would be in the playoffs. They would have had a winning record. I found that I found that really, really interesting. Like, we just wake up too late. We just, I guess, get rid of them in the second half in the fourth quarter, and a lot of times it's too late, I guess. <laughs> it's just the way we are. Uh, it's just the way. But then something I think all, nobody saw coming came, I don't even know from where, Mike White came out of nowhere and beats the Cincinnati Bengals in his debut, 405 passing yards, did have two interceptions in that game, they were very fluky, but who cares, we beat a team that's in the AFC Championship right now, we beat the Cincinnati Bengals, and we wouldn't have done that without Mike White. Now, this is something that really pisses me off as a Jets fan, what I'm about to get into with Mike White. So, obviously, he beat the Bengals, and Jets fans were going crazy. A lot of them traveled to Indianapolis for the Thursday night primetime game. Uh, it's good to get a Thursday night primetime game just several days after he had this huge win. You think momentum's going to go with you? I was really, really, my when he got hurt, I was upset because I was looking so forward to that game for the entire week, thinking... We actually have a good quarterback for the first time in my life. I mean, what one year as a fan, I, we had Fitzmagic, but he wasn't anything special that year, I don't think. <sighs> Just to see him get injured. But the thing that really pisses me off is the Jets did a one-strike-you're-out mentality with him because he did something amazing against the Bengals. Then he has one drive, and he gets hurt against Cincinnati. And you can't count that game. 
And even if you do count that game, he had one drive and one touchdown. So I, it doesn't get better than that. And then he got hurt. You can't blame that. You, you. So then you play him against the Bills. And he has just a terrible, terrible game. I will admit it's a terrible game. There's no other two ways of saying it. Four interceptions, zero touchdowns. That is one of the most awful games you're going to see from a quarterback. Who cares? I mean, who ca- not who cares, but why Why did we not see him again? Him having that game does not undo what he did against Cincinnati. That was by far the best quarterback performance the Jets had all year. And I know Zach Wilson's a rookie, and we need to develop him. But you could have a secret gold mine hidden here in Mike White. It's worth it to start him another game and find out where this goes than just hiding him on the bench, not playing him, and just doing Zach Wilson, putting him in, knowing he's not going to do much for your team. Like, why would it have been impossible to start him against the Jaguars, the Texans, and a more lower opponent that we had? Or, no, you want to start Zach Wilson against the worst team? Then fine, start him against a better team. He's proven that he could beat one in the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, I don't understand. The Jets are in nowhere near a position to be, oh, one-striker-out policy. We're one of the worst teams in the freaking league. Okay, like... It doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. I understand he had a bad game. That doesn't mean... Do you know, if the, oh, if we had a one-game-year-out policy, Zach Wilson would have been out in the first few weeks of the season, the first month of the season, absolutely. But we're not in a position to be so judgmental with our quarterbacks. The least we could have done is given him another game, see where it went a little bit. But we're the Jets. We don't do that. I don't believe in second chances, I guess. As the season goes on, um, Zach Wilson eventually gets his first road win against the Houston Texans. Not really a great game, won by a touchdown in Houston. And then uh, we're very used to having <laughs> being eliminated a month before the end of the regular season, which is the same story this year. We're eliminated with, I believe, four games left in hand. Um, we still had Miami to go, Jacksonville, uh, but Bucks, yeah, so... Eliminated pretty early on. The misery continues for Jets fans. What else would you expect? <sighs> we did have a game that it was really a fun game for me to watch. One of the more fun games that I remember in recent memory. We beat Trevor Lawrence at MetLife. Uh, again, Zach Wilson didn't have a great game. We ran the ball a lot in that game. But you can't blame him for not throwing. We had like an infinite number of people on the COVID list that game, including a bunch of our really decent wide receivers. So Michael Carter had a great game that game. Um, and yeah, we found a way to beat Trevor Lawrence and that would turn out to be our final win of the year. Um, uh, one thing that I guess we improved on is we found a way to bounce back after these many losing streaks. We never surpassed a losing streak of three throughout the whole year. Of course, when last year we had um, uh, we're the worst team in the league for a good portion of that season. I guess it was a 13-game losing streak before we won two in a row and then lost the final one. So, a little bit of an improvement this year. Uh, some of the pieces we added in the draft, obviously, Michael Carter. Uh, I think he had a really solid, solid year, led the team in rushing, I'm pretty sure. And hopefully he continues with that next year. We could really use a running back to get our running game going, uh, to solidify it for the following years. And a big problem this year is I really thought with Corey Davis and some of the other pieces we had that we could actually have decent people for Wilson to throw the ball to, but between COVID and injuries, 
seemed like there was never enough for him to throw to. Like, no, I'm not saying Zach Wilson gets a pass for every bad game he had, but it's just we, you can't. We need people for him to throw the ball to, and more importantly, we need people to protect him, and we need defense. We, we this draft we need a lot, but I think the main concern is protecting Zach Wilson, and defense. Because Zach Wilson got sacked way too many times this year. He was way up at the top, and he missed some games due to injury, like four or three or whatever it was. So he really should not be up there with some of those other quarterbacks that were playing like every game of the year. So that really shows on our part that we need some offensive line, better players on the offensive line to help protect him. Uh, and yeah, I guess some of the standout players from this year, Braxton Berrios, had a great punt uh, return, touchdown, kickoff return, touchdown, whatever it was against Jacksonville. That was a really nice moment. Elijah Moore, he came out a little bit from... I didn't, I, want, I don't want to say came out from nowhere. Actually, kind of the opposite. What am I saying? He was one of the most slept-on people in the draft. I was shocked that we got him in the second round, actually. I don't know what I was talking about just there. Just had a brain lapse. And I, th- I think it was an amazing pick to get him where we did in the second round. I'm surprised he fell there for the caliber wide receiver he was in college. And I think that was a great pick by the Jets. And then one of the biggest debates is with the number two pick, oh, you could have had Mac Jones, you could have had Trevor, you couldn't have had Trevor Lawrence, I'm sorry, you could have had Mac Jones, could have had Fields, was Wilson really the right decision? Mac Jones definitely had the best season this year, but time will tell. He, di- he didn't look that great against the Bills in the playoffs. Um, so time will tell at, um, which quarterback proves to be the best out of this draft class in the ne- in the coming years. Um, if I personally had to rank them of how I think they'll be in the future, I would say probably Mac Jones would be the best. And then, uh, Wilson and Trevor Lawrence will go on to have decent careers. I think Trevor Lawrence was very, very overhyped in the draft. I don't think... He's living up to this generational talent. I mean, obviously he didn't in his first season, but I think even before the draft, he was way, way too hyped up. I just don't think that it was fair to put that kind of expectation on him. Um, And then there's one more thing I want to get into before I end the podcast. I know it's one of the longer ones I do here. Just it's, it's a lot to condense like a whole season into 15, 20 minutes. The game against Tampa Bay was the one Jets game I attended this year. And it was a really crazy game. From the first drive, we got a quick touchdown. Michael Carter had an insane run there on the first play. He later uh, went out of the game with injury, unfortunately. Maybe could help us beat him if he stayed in. Uh, But yeah, he scored on the first possession. It was a neck-and-neck game. We only trailed for the final 15 seconds of that game, which I'll get into how that panned out later. Uh, Yeah, so uh, at halftime, we went in... Uh, we were leading at halftime, got like a last second field goal, intercepted Brady, sacked Brady once or twice. Uh, it was really exciting there. The Jets fans, only my second ever Jets game. Don't get, don't see them a lot, I guess. Usually by the time that we want to go, it's not even worth seeing them because they're so bad. But this might be the last time Brady plays at MetLife, so we thought, why not? Um, so yeah, Zach Wilson actually looked really, really impressive that game the way he was navigating through the Buccaneers' defense. Um, didn't get sacked that much, I don't believe, from my memory. 
and had a really, really solid game connected with Braxton Berrios a lot. Braxton had a rushing touchdown and I think at least one receiving touchdown. I remember that happened right in front of the end zone we were right next to. That was really cool to see. Um, but unfortunately, the defense, um, there was a controversial fourth down play. Uh, Zach Wilson tried to go up the middle on fourth and two, did not work, so Tampa Bay took over. And what else would you expect with Brady than to have a game-winning drive and with the final pass, like a 35-yard pass with 15 seconds left? What else would you expect from the GOAT? As much as I, he is annoying, he is the GOAT. There's no other two ways about it. But an interesting story from that game, besides that the Buccaneers barely beat the Jets, was Antonio Brown. Now, he... I was there, but... So we were on uh, where the Jets come out of the tunnel and go into the locker room and stuff. So the Buccaneers on the opposite side of the stadium. So that's where he was doing his shenanigans by stripping down, <laughs> throwing his gear into the crowd, and then running off into the locker room. Uh, Brady had the ball in the end zone, so our uh, our side of the field near us, people around us, they were focused on Tom Brady, watching him uh, leading his drive, obviously. But it was really controversial, and obviously later that day he was released from the team, released from the Buccaneers. Um, yeah. Now, I feel like I have an opinion that not too many people out there share with me about this. I do not think that it was the right decision for Tampa Bay to get rid of him. You are running an NFL team. The man can play football, and he makes an impact to your team. He is a great receiver, and he can play the game. I don't care what... The, it's not like he hurt anyone. Of course, what he did is not right. But the, the fact the, of the matter is that this man can play football. And who knows, maybe he would have helped you progress in the playoffs, beat the Rams. Maybe you'd still be there now. Who knows? Because Brady did look like he really needed a receiver to be open at some points in that game, especially in the first half. All I'm saying is he's a good player, and I think that he deserves to play football. Like, of course, he should get his act together, and he shouldn't be doing all this stuff. Maybe fine him. I don't know if you need to go out and release him. And if people say, oh, it reflects... It doesn't reflect you well if you keep him on the team and he's doing all this crap. You know what does reflect you well? Winning championships. Winning playoff games. And Antonio Brown is a type of player in Pittsburgh that would help you do that. He's a type of player throughout his whole career that can help you do that. So I personally believe that Tampa Bay could have found a way to still keep him. I don't know exactly what that way is. It's obviously up to the Buccaneers organization. Did what they did, and now he's filing a lawsuit against them, which I think is a little bit dramatic on Antonio Brown's part, but whatever. Whatever. It, uh, it's kind of unnecessary. Like, I don't really think that he has a case, and I'm sure the Buccaneers have good lawyers. But whatever. What's done is done, and they are out anyway. And the final four matchup, of course, is the Bengals and the Chiefs and the Rams and the 49ers. I personally think we're going to see Rams and Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and I think it'll be a pretty entertaining one. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe Joe Burrow will find a way to keep their fairy tale run alive. Of course, this is the first time the Bengals won a playoff game in 30-whatever years. So all of Cincinnati is beaming with excitement about them. And for the Jets, what to look forward to the next year? Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, 
uh, build your offensive line, build your defense, get it stronger. Jets fans, we've been patient for a long time. We're going to have to be patient a little longer. We're used to it. And that is just about it for this podcast. Thank you guys for listening, if you've made to this point, and I will see you next time.